Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, this summer we're doing a series called Consider the Outcome. And so we're taking different people from the Bible and we're looking at their lives and how they lived out what God called them to do. And um, today I am honored to talk about Ruth. Um, I love the book of Ruth. Um, it's it's really a, a great um, depiction of loyal love of redemption and God's providence. And so we're going to dive in and with any good, um, I hate to use the word stories because so many times people think they aren't real if you tell a story, but there is autobiographies, right? So with a good story, I like to um, pull a couple of things apart. And the first, oh, the first thing I want to tell you is the setting. And the setting of this book the book actually picks up at the end of the book of Judges. So we find it right after Judges. And um, if you're doing the Bible in a year reading with us, you know that we just finished Judges. Thank you, Jesus. Because that was a really dark time, right? Um, started out kind of good and then just, you know, just it was very a dismal end. And the last verse in the book of Judges, it says, in those days, Israel didn't have a king. And the people did anything they thought was right. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah, um, unfortunately. Uh, but the even though it's placed at the end of the book of Judges, um, the book of Ruth actually takes place during the, the time of the Judges. Um, it was probably written, though, during David's reign. Um, and we learn that because at the end of the book, he gives a genealogy and he lists it up to David's time. And um, really, the book of Ruth, as you're reading through the Old Testament, the way it's designed, it's a glimmer of hope in a very dark time, right? And so the place that it takes place actually is in two places. So we have Bethlehem, which is called the House of Bread, all right? Unfortunately, during this time where um, these characters are, there's a famine in Bethlehem. And so they decide to leave Bethlehem and they go to Moab. And Moab is um, not a good place. <laughs> it is b very much become a pagan nation. They um, worship lots of gods, but one of them is Chemosh, which was famous for human sacrifice. Okay, so that's Moab and the place where uh, the story starts. And then the characters are Amalek and Naomi and their two sons. And um, and then we have two other characters, which are Ruth and Boaz. And as you can see, I put a short genealogy up there. Um, so you can see where Ruth, the Moabite, comes from the line of Lot and Boaz comes from the line of Abraham. And they go on and have Obed. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they have a child. Um, so <clears throat> we start in Ruth 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah took his wife and two sons and went to live for a while in the country of Moab. 
and um, in some of the places it says that they sojourned. And a sojourn was, was meant to be a short time. They would go and come back, right? But for some reason, they stayed. And they stayed uh, so long that Amalek died. And um, so Naomi, who's the mom, with her two sons, her two sons marry women. They marry Ruth and Orpah. And they, set, and they stay there 10 years. And then both of her sons die. So now we have a widow with two daughter-in-laws who don't have children and are also widows. And um, Naomi hears about something happening in Bethlehem, that there is the famine has ended and there's food again. And she decides to go back. And if you're reading the story, and I I couldn't read all four chapters this morning, so I'm just kind of picking some of them. But one of the things that we realize is that she believes that God allowed this calamity to happen, her husband and her sons to die, because they were not doing what God had called them to do, which was to stay away from the pagan nations. Yet, she travels back because she knows that it's better to be in the hand of God than it is to be out of his hand. Even if there's punishment or consequences, it's better to be in the hands of the Lord. And even though she was bitter, she was bitter with her life, but she wasn't bitter against God. And that's something to to really uh, consider when we think of Naomi. This trip back would have been 50 miles would have taken seven to ten days through the desert. And here being a widowed woman, alone, without protection, just, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, to say, it's better to be with my God, I'm going to go back, even to traverse something that could have been very scary. And so she picks up, packs up, and she and the two girls start to go, um, But she turns to the daughters and is like, you know what? Your families are here. And and if you go with me, you're going to be a foreigner. And a foreigner in Israel is not a great place to be. And so I want you to go back to your families and find husbands and have babies. I really want you to do this. And so Naomi is like sacrificing going on this journey alone because she wants better for her daughter-in-laws. And... um. Orpah does, but, but Ruth doesn't. And Ruth says this. Uh, Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow. What loyal love. But it isn't only loyal love to her mother-in-law. Because we get a picture here of of Ruth. She says, let your God be my God. Now, where did she learn about God? 
she's she's in Moab. They all have, you know, they have Chamosh and they have all these other gods. Where did she learn about the Lord? She must have learned it from Naomi, right? So Naomi kept her faith even in a foreign land. And Orpah, I mean, Ruth saw that faith and she decided to take it for her own and follow God and know there's your God is over there. I want to be where he is where the tabernacle or the tent of meeting was, right? She wanted to be with her God. She becomes a believer. You know, um, what's interesting is later we find out that Solomon had many wives from many different nations, and they led his heart astray. And here we have a, a Ruth, a picture of one whose heart is turned to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's amazing. Um, and Mark tells us in, in verse 10, or I mean, in chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, that Jesus says everyone who has given up home or family still receives a hundredfold in eternal life. So uh, Ruth knew there was something about this God and she wanted him for her own. They arrive in Bethlehem and Naomi is, you know, bitter because now she's a widow she has no one to protect her, and she can't buy back her land and work it. So she's this widow, and um, it's not a great situation, okay? I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> and, but God has made provision for widows and um, for the poor. Um, he makes uh, this, this law that was to glean the fields. So if you're a farmer and you have all these acres of, of um, like, say, corn, probably wheat there, wheat. And what he would say is, go ahead and pick everything, but leave the corners and anything that as you're picking up drops, leave it for the poor, okay? And so what would happen is the poor would come and glean. They'd pick up what was left after people had gone through. So Ruth goes out and um, she, now, now this is the interesting part. Remember what I said? This is during the time of the judges where Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So I can only imagine there might have been some farmers who went, you better pick up every last scrap, right? Because I want all the money. Yes. I mean, we, that's probably what some of them did. Um, but she happens to go to a farm who is owned by, uh, that is owned by Boaz. And Boaz is a righteous man. Boaz shows up one day and he sees that Ruth is out here working or you know gleaning and he's like says to the overseer, "Who's this lady? You know, where did she come from?" And and the overseer said, "Well, that's Ruth." And Boaz is like, "Wow, I heard about her." And in in chapter 2 verse 12, I don't know that I have it up here. No, nope, I don't. Um he, said, he has a conversation with Ruth. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. You've taken care of your mother-in-law. You're out here gleaning. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. And listen to this. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now remember that. Boaz says to her, you have come 
to take refuge under the wing of the Lord. Okay? And then he says, don't go anywhere else. My people will be kind to you. And then he tells his workers, when you're picking up stuff, throw a couple down. Let Ruth have extra, right? And Ruth is humbled and asks why he's being so generous. And he says, I've heard about you. I've heard what you did for Naomi. And then he tells her, um, and he also tells his harvesters, don't give her a hard time. Make sure she's taken care of. Now, you know, so Ruth has been gleaning. She shows back up home with a whole bunch, right, of, of food. And Naomi's like, where did you go? And in Ruth 2.20, it said, she says, I was with Boaz. And Naomi says, the Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and to the dead. Speaking of her husband. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now, a kinsman redeemer was a, um, a relative, a close relative. So if a man was married to a woman and she didn't have a son uh, and the man died, his close relative would have the option to marry her. Actually, they wanted him to marry her give her a son that would carry on the family name. So that son actually would take the name of the deceased. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not that great because you don't get the name, but you're helping the community continue on. And, um, and so Ruth ends up working all through the barley season and then the wheat season. So there's like, you know, and, and seasons are not like, it's not like a day, right? This is weeks. So Ruth is faithful to go out and glean and continue to work. And then it comes time for the threshing. And that's where they take all the stuff and they make it into something useful, right? They take it to um, a, a barn or a place. And Boaz, because he's a, he's a from what we understand, he's a good um, um, leader. He's in the threshing room and he's working. Well, Naomi decides to play a little matchmaker and says, hey, now, this is our kinsman redeemer, and he's been nice to us, to you. So what you should do is you go while he's, after he's eaten, well-fed, and he's sleeping for the night, and you go in and you lay at his feet, and he'll tell you what you should do. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to do what? I'm going to sneak into some barn and go lay at some guy's feet. But you know what? Ruth has seen something about Naomi. And she honors her and she goes. And she waits until he's asleep and he goes and lays at her feet. I mean, she goes and lays at his feet. Sorry, wrong feet. And um, we see that he wakes up and says, and uh, uh get my character straight. Boaz says, who are you? He asked. And she says, I am your servant, Ruth. And then she says, spread the corner of your covering. Now, there's a couple things. Remember I said earlier, he, uh, Boaz said to her, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She's making a reference to that. Spread your covering over me. 
And the other thing about the covering that he had, it would have had an insignia on it, would have had like been embroidered or something with his like name or seal or something like that. And so basically what she's saying is, will you marry me? That's what she's asking. Would you, um, may, you know, spread the covering over me? And um, that's not only asking for marriage, it's asking for redemption, to redeem the property and the name and the lineage of Elimelech. She's asking for more than just a hand in marriage. And at this point, there are some scholars who think she might have been 40-ish. He might have been 80-ish. Okay? So, uh, and so then he continues and he said, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. And so Boaz is not only honored, but he's honorable. He knows there's a closer relative who has the first right to to marry her and get the land and, you know, continue the line. Um, and, and so some people say, well, why did he say stay here for the night? Something hinky going on? No. So it would have been dangerous for her to be out at night. And so he, um, had her stay until daybreak and then go. Um, and he doesn't take advantage of her. We, we understand that from the scripture. So the next day at the town gate, he confirms his promise with a shoe. So apparently in that time, when you, uh, when you offer this, he offers up. He says to the other kinsman redeemer, he says, you know, do you want this land? And the guy says, yeah, I'd like the land. You know, I could buy it back. And, and Boaz says, well, you also have to marry Ruth. But the guy was already married and he's like, no, don't want two wives. Okay. Um, and so he says, I don't, you know, go ahead. You can do it. So in front of the whole town, Boaz um, confirms that he will marry Ruth. And in 4.13, we learn, so Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. And that son is Obed, the grandfather of David. Matthew records Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus. This woman who was a foreigner and not, I mean, she gets listed in that genealogy. And, um, you know, that's such a beautiful story. It's such a beautiful story. But we need to consider, how did Ruth end up that way? 
How did she get put in that genealogy? How did she get chosen by the Lord? Well, she demonstrates loyal love, right? And that love that she demonstrated to Naomi and to God, Boaz sees, and there's a redemption rewarded, right? He redeems her, and and she goes from being a widow, which would have been the dregs of society, especially, you know, a widow without children, barren widow, and she becomes part of the genealogy of Jesus. But God's providence is also demonstrated in her life. And what I mean by that is we see God protecting things. Like, I'm sorry, but it just so happens that she goes to Boaz's field, a kinsman redeemer, right? It just so happens that Boaz had heard about Ruth. It just so happens, you know what I mean? Like, but how many times in our life have we said that? How many times in your life have you said, well, it just so happened that, and then it led to these things? Really? You don't think God's up there setting things up or fixing our mistakes? I mean, it does say in Romans 8.28 that we know God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He works all things for our good. And God orchestrates the life of these faithful people. Remember when Joseph was, um, you know, taken into slavery and then he sees his brothers again and he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, right? So we understand that God's providence is at work in our lives if we're following him, right? God restores Naomi's hope for a future. You know, not only does her daughter-in-law marry Boaz, but she gets to be the grandmother of Obed. And just to fill her arms again after so much loss, what joy was that for her? And we can learn from Ruth and see this working in our lives. So I'd like us to take apart this scripture in 2 Timothy. It says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That first um, line, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Um, right before this, uh, in, in 2 Timothy, he's talking about um, the different vessels that would have been used in the temple. Some of them were gold and silver, and some of them were wood and clay. The gold and silver were, were used for feasts, but the, um, the wood and the clay ones were used for garbage cans and ashtrays. And he's telling us um, that we need to be cleansing, or we need to be a special utensil. We need to keep ourselves in a way that we can be used by God. Uh, and um, David Guzik talks about this, and he's like, this isn't something that God does as we sit passively by. We don't just become a utensil that can be used by God when we just sit and just wait for him to do it. We have to actively pursue God. 
Ruth actively pursued God, and she was used. We need to actively pursue God, and he will use us. It says if you keep yourself pure, you will, your life will be clean. So cleaning yourself, 1 John 1.9 says, we must confess our sins, and he is faithful to forgive. We have to do that to keep ourselves pure. And run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. We don't just see that we are supposed to avoid things, but we're supposed to actively do things. We need to be continually being faithful with what God gives us. Ruth did this. She pursued righteous living. She was faithful. She was loyal in her love. And then our conduct decides how God can use us. You know, this is so true in my life. There was a very dark period of time where I, still a Christian, did not pursue God. As a matter of fact, I sat back and, and kept expecting him to fix things. And yet I was unwilling to confess and pursue him. I was unwilling to confess and receive forgiveness. I had justifications for my actions. And really, if I look back at that period of time, I wasn't used by God much. But when we pursue God and we throw off those weights that beset us, he can use us to accomplish his will in our lives. Um, you must be ready. So you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. No Christian is better than another, but some are able to be used because they have made themselves more usable. No one's better than anyone else, but some are able to be used because they've allowed themselves to be more usable. And every, and every good work and so every good work is not talking about just the church. He wants to use us outside the church. He wants us to use us in our homes, in our schools, at our workplaces, in our community. He wants to use you and me. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, I, I just saw this on my way in this morning. It says, our present troubles are small and won't last long yet they produce for us a glory that will vastly outweigh and will last forever. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, really, Paul? My present trouble is small and won't last long? I've been battling this thing for 10 years, 20 years. In the frame of eternity, your whole life is small. Span is small. And it doesn't even compare to the glory. The glory that he uses you is vastly outweighs anything, any present trouble. So consider the outcome. Ruth was an ordinary person. Anybody else in here an ordinary person? I know you're all extraordinary but we're ordinary people. 
but she demonstrated loyal love and faithfulness. Anyone in here faithful? Love well? And is redeemed by a sovereign God. If you have not been redeemed, all that means is you saying, God, you are God and I am not. <laughs> I believe that you sent your son into this world to die on a cross. He was buried, raised three days later. He sits uh, next to you on a throne in heaven. And I believe that and I want to be redeemed. You can be redeemed as well. And he wants to use you. So will you let him? Amen.